So as many of you guys know, Amber and I have three kids. Their names are Cademan, Reese, and Pearl. And we tell them that we, all, we love them all the same, uh, but in point of fact, we're a little fonder of Reese than we are the others. <laughs> it's not because she doesn't get in trouble, y'all. Uh, the reason that we're particularly fond of Reese is because we almost lost her in 2011 at Disney World. Uh, it was the 4th of July, and it was packed tight. You could not walk hardly anywhere in the park. It was so full. And there we were with our family. We had our grandparents there. We had uh, our in-laws there. My brother-in-law was there. And you know how it is when you go to a park, and you want to know which ride you're going to ride next. Somebody wants to ride this one, and you want to ride that one, and they want to ride this one, and so on. And you get together, and you have this uh, conversation, and you try to figure out where you're going to go next, right? And so we had all decided that we were going to go ride the Pirates of the Caribbean next, which is a great ride. Um, and so we all get together, we decide this, and then we turn around, and of course, Reese is gone. While we were deciding what we were going to ride, um, this huge flood of people came in, and she just got um, shoved out of the way, and we couldn't find her. And it's, we were terrified. Uh, because it was so, so full. She was gone. She was carried away by the sea of people. And her mom and I, we are educators, so we put on our really, really loud educator voices. And we started shouting her name everywhere. And everybody spread out, and they were looking for her. And we couldn't find her. Our little girl was carried away amid a sea of people. And yet we shouted her name, and we were worried that she had been carried away that she'd been washed a long way away, um, or that somebody had taken her and put them under their arm and just left the park. So needless to say, we forgot about the ride, we forgot about Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, and all we could think about was finding Reese. Now, the little Christians in the room, you know who you are. I see a few in here. Why am I telling you about how I lost my little girl at Disney World, the greatest place on earth. Well, you see, today's parable is about a sheep getting lost, okay? And can anybody in here tell me, can you help me? What sound does a sheep make? I see the two back there. I see you, Evie. What sound does a sheep make, Evie? Go ahead. Bah. Can you do it again? Bah. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I need that help. And we all need to hear it. And especially you little guys need to hear it. Because what I want you to understand is that that's the sound that a sheep makes. That's a sh the sound that a sheep makes when it's lost. That's the sound a sheep makes when it's hurt. When it's lost and it needs help. And sometimes in life we get lost. Sometimes we get lost like sheep. Sometimes we stray and we lose the Lord Jesus, our gracious and holy shepherd. Sometimes we lose sight of him. But Jesus and I this morning want you to know that you can never be so lost that he can't hear you. You can never be so lost that he will not come and find you. You can never be so far away that you can't cry out. You can always, always, always cry his name and he will come and find you just like that. I want you to remember when you grow up, and even some of you grown-ups, I want you to remember, 
that if you cry out for his help, he will come and find you, and he will bring you home. Thanks be to God. Uh, Now let us pray. No, I'm just kidding. We're not done yet. Today's parable is about a shepherd, and it is about a flock of sheep. Jesus asks us to imagine that we have 100 sheep and that we lose one, and that we lose one sheep in a really dark and dangerous place, guys, with no uh, shelter, and it's full of uh, predators, and um, it's a place that a sheep would go and get lost and really, really need somebody to bring it back. He asks us to imagine this, and we know this parable. This is very, very familiar to us. It's one that we love, but we have to wonder, why does Jesus tell this parable in Luke 15? Luke tells us that Jesus had been eating with sinners, uh, with sinners and tax collectors, which is a strange thing if you think about it, because Jesus, Jesus is holy. And we have this question too, I think. When we read the Gospels, we see it again and again and again and again, that Jesus is eating with these sinners. He's spending time with people that we would never, never want to spend time with. And so in a way, we too have this question. What is he doing eating and spending time with sinners? The Pharisees saw this and they could not believe it. They could not believe that he would do such a thing. In the previous chapter, in Luke 14, Jesus spends time with the Pharisees, and he eats a meal with them, and even heals a sick person. So they enjoyed Jesus. They enjoyed spending time with him. He was very much worth their attention. But then they see him eating with these sinners, and they don't know what to do with that. They think, this is unbelievable. How can this holy man do such a thing? And yet, what do we see? We see Jesus spending time with these sinners. We see him surrounding himself with them. Why? Why would he do this? The answer is simple. Jesus takes joy in gathering the lost. He takes joy in being around those that have sinned and are lost because he knows. He knows what he means to them. Jesus asks us to imagine what it would be like to have 100 sheep and to lose one of them. But then he asks us, what would we do? What would we do? Would we let the one go? Would we be happy with the 99? Or would we leave the 99 to look for the one? What would we do? He doesn't wait for us to answer, by the way, because he knows what a real shepherd would do. Jesus says that a real shepherd would go out there and find their lost sheep. A real shepherd would find it, and he would throw it over his shoulder, and he would carry it home. A real shepherd would find the sheep, and by the way, the sheep would be dirty, and the sheep would be injured, and the sheep would be, probably some would put it out of its misery. But no, the real shepherd would bring that sheep back. The real shepherd would clean it up. The real shepherd would heal it and restore it with the rest of the flock. Jesus knows all this, by the way, because he is, that's that's what he is, he's a real shepherd. He's a real shepherd and he takes joy in finding his sheep. He takes joy in forgiving them. He knows that he's the only one that can find them. And so he goes out there and what does he do? He searches for them. He looks for them. He finds them to forgive them. He knows what the rest of the world does with sheep. He knows that the world seeks to devour them. And so he goes out there to find them and forgive them and bring them home. 
And we know that when sinners wander, they wander far from God. They only wander in one direction. It's always away from home. We wander. We wander like sheep. We are like lost sheep, and we're really, really good. We're really good at getting lost. This is why we need the good news of this parable, by the way, because we're really good at, lost, at getting lost. We need to hear this truth, and when we hear it, we rejoice. When we hear that the 99 are left for the one, our hearts melt with joy. We hear that good news, and we rejoice, because that's the kind of good news that lost sheep need. But do you rejoice when you're lost and found? Do you rejoice when you cry out and he finds you? When he finds you and he forgives you and he brings you home? Sometimes when we confess, it's hard to feel the joy of this parable. Sometimes confession fails to warm our hearts. Sometimes we don't know what to confess. Sometimes we're so lost that we don't even know how lost we are. Maybe that's why Jesus calls us sheep because sheep can get lost and not even know it. Sometimes we refuse to admit we're lost. Sometimes we don't feel like confessing our sins. Sometimes we'd rather live in our sin than in the arms of our shepherd. Over time we hurt ourselves and we get stuck in the messes of our own making like sheep tangled up in barbed wire. And when we resist, when we struggle, what happens? It hurts all the more. If we would just cry out, if we would just stop resisting, struggling, and listen, if we would close our eyes and listen, we would hear our shepherd's foot falling on the ground, and we would hear him calling for us. We would hear him calling, and we would know it was him, and we would cry out for help. And that's what confession is, after all. We can use a lot of theological terms, but when it comes down to it, it's us crying out for help. In confession, the Spirit of Christ calls from deep within us, and it reminds us of who we belong to, and it reminds us that we need His help, and it encourages us. The Spirit assures us it's okay. It's okay to cry out. You need His help. It's okay, He misses you. And you know what? Deep down inside, you miss him too. But when we confess day after day after day, we start to get discouraged with ourselves. You know, he forgives us openly and willingly with joy because he values us. He loves us more than he loves his own life. But still, we get discouraged day after day confessing our sins. We get discouraged with the mistakes that we make. We remember that we sinned yesterday and that we confessed yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And we start to realize that we always are confessing our sins. We're always crying out for help. Before long, we forget the gracious part of that and we start to feel more lost than we are found. We start to wonder if we're worth the effort. We feel bad and ashamed for getting lost so often, for putting our shepherd to so much trouble. And then when we start to feel like that, God starts to seem less like a shepherd. 
We grow tired of needing, of needing God's grace. That's another way to put it. We grow tired of needing his grace, and then when that happens, he starts to seem less gracious to us. Before long, we start to look at him differently. We start to doubt his care. And we start to fear crying out for help. We start to fear going to him in confession because we're so disappointed in ourselves. And then our confessions, they become less and less and less frequent. And we stop doing that altogether. We stop crying out for help, and then we start to think that God loves us less. Before long, we start, we start to think strange things about him. We start to think that he's tired of our mistakes and that he doesn't want to hear our confessions at all. We start to think that God has better things to do. All of a sudden, we make our shepherd into an angry, busy judge. We start to believe that we're better off not wasting his time. We start to believe that maybe we should avoid him altogether. Now, I'm being honest here. From time to time, I struggle with these doubts. Maybe I'm not the only one. These doubts are like predators, and they seek to devour me. But then I turn to this parable, and I see the gospel of the shepherd, and that gospel chases my doubts away. How does God really feel about my confessing? Well, he's the great shepherd. He wants to find me. He wants to hear me crying out from the wilderness. Why? Because he's looking for me. Because he wants to find me. Because he wants to throw me over his shoulder and bring me home. Rockwall Prez, hear the good news of this gospel. The great shepherd leaves the 99 for the one, and we are that one. When he finds us, what does he do? He throws us over his shoulder, and he brings us home. He brings us home, and guys, he does it with a smile. The good shepherd is overwhelmed with joy, and he longs to bring us home, and he longs to celebrate. And when we confess, our shepherd brings us home, and what does he do? He throws a party. And not just any party. He throws a big, loud party. And when he's there, he raises his voice and he shouts to all of his friends. And he says, rejoice with me. My friends, rejoice. For what was lost is found. Jesus wants you to know and feel this joy when you read this parable and also when you confess. Yes, he wants you to confess with a broken and contrite heart. Yes, he wants this. But after that, he wants you to know that you're forgiven. He gives you the promise of forgiveness because he wants you to know and feel the truth of the gospel, which is this. He takes joy in forgiving you. Your confession, it is a joyous occasion, one that's worthy of celebration on earth as it is in heaven. Why would that be? Well, because when you confess, he restores in you the joy of his salvation. He restores in you the joy of his salvation. That you might know and feel his joy again. And that you might take joy in him once more. And that, my friends, is worth celebrating. 
But remember at the beginning of the sermon we said, Jesus didn't give this, this parable to people that needed forgiveness. No, instead he gave it to Pharisees. Now what is that exactly is a Pharisee? Well Pharisees, Pharisees see themselves as better than others. Pharisees feel like their needs are more important than the needs of the lost sheep. If the Pharisees had 100 sheep, if they had a flock of sheep and they lost one, what would they do? Well, they would let that sheep go. They would let that sheep go to be lost, to be dirty, to be injured, to die and be devoured by the world. And so we find this really strange tension in this parable, do we not? On one hand, we see the good and great and gracious shepherd who lives to find the lost and to forgive them and to celebrate that forgiveness by restoring in them the joy of his salvation. So we see that in here. But on the other hand, what else do we see? We see that Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees, these people that have never been lost a day in their life these people that don't need a shepherd whatsoever. Because they're not sheep at all, by the way. No, these Pharisees are far more like the predators that chase the sheep away than the sheep themselves. So on one hand, we have the gospel of the great shepherd, and on the other, we have the gospel of the Pharisees. So in this parable, Jesus presents us with a very simple question. Which are we? Pharisees don't know what it's like to be lost and found. They hide their sins because they don't know what to do with sin. They've learned to live their life without forgiveness and they expect others to do the same. Pharisees are merciless. They wonder why sinners can't get their lives together. And when their religion fails to account for sinners, what do Pharisees do? They just chase sinners away. And they'll find somebody else to deal with. So that's his question. Which ones are we like? Are we like the sheep that go astray? Or are we like those that chase the sheep away? Those who've been, those who've been found, those who've been lost and found, they know what it's like. They know what it's like to be a sinner. They know what it's like to need to be found. And so they will never, never chase sinners away, right? because they know how Jesus feels about sinners. Those who've been lost and found know how Jesus longs to find them and forgive them. And when he finds us and he forgives us, what happens? He restores us to his flock. He leaves us here and then he goes out and he looks for others. And as we stay here, as we wait here, what are we waiting for? Well, we're waiting for him to come back and bring others to be with us. We're waiting for him to find other lost sheep and bring them here and forgive them. He leaves us here so that when he comes back, we can celebrate the forgiveness of others with him on earth as it is in heaven. Just as our shepherd rejoices when we're forgiven, we're supposed to turn around and look and find and see and rejoice when others are forgiven by him as well. We must rejoice when the lost are found. Why? Because we are lost and found. So speaking of lost people, 
Whatever happened to Reese? You'll remember that I left her there on the 4th of July. She was lost at Disney World, the greatest place on earth. Um, behind all these people, we didn't know where she was. And so her mom and I, we put our teacher voices on, our big, angry teacher voices, and we start yelling her name, Reese, Reese, where are you? And when the crowd heard us and they saw our faces, and they especially saw how scared Amber's face was, they got out of the way. And when they got out of the way, there behind them all, we saw this little tiny girl. She was three years old at the time. We saw her staring innocently, uncertain and clueless as to what had gone on, wondering probably where we had gone, but knowing the whole time that we would find her. And so what happened then? Well, that scared and worried mom rushed in there and picked her up and scooped her up into her arms, and all was right in the world. Do you know what it's like to be lost and found? Or have you forgotten? Hear the gospel of the great shepherd and rejoice, because in him what's lost is found. Thanks be to God.